title of this message, we'll get it up here in just a moment, is this. Dream, there we go, dream big and think small. That was appropriate for the mic to come on at the word big, amen? Dream big and think small. And so we'll get it up here on the back. Children, I want you to listen up. We got candy and we'll get handed out at the end of the service down by my office as we normally do. And this message is kind of, well, it's geared for everyone, obviously, something we can learn from. But children, I want you to listen up because I want to challenge you to dream big and think small. Dream big and think small. We're in Matthew chapter number 25. Many of you have already seen that up there. So let's find our spot in Matthew chapter 25. It is a simple message in some ways, but I trust will be a challenge to you and I this evening about dreaming big and thinking small. And how these two things fit together, we'll see from God's perspective. Let's read the passage. Matthew chapter 25, verse number 31, and we'll read all the way down to verse 40, which is kind of the culminating uh, verse of this passage. When the Son of Man, obviously speaking of Jesus Christ, verse 31, when the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, and then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. And before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set, uh, set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left. Then shall, and I love this statement as you'll find it throughout the passage. It refers to Jesus Christ. Then shall the king. Doesn't that sound good? What a day that will be when Jesus Christ sits on the throne and he is exalted and identified by all as the king of all. And uh, man, I love that title as we come across it. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Verse 35. For I was a hungred, and ye gave me me. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me in. Naked, and ye clothed me. I was sick, and ye visited me. I was in prison, and ye came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee a hungred, and fed thee? Or thirsty, and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger, and took thee in? Or naked, and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick, or in prison, and came unto thee? Verse 40. And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. And what a great statement, isn't it? Hey, dream big, think small. I think it's a great uh, we'll often hear a preacher or someone get up and he'll challenge us you know, to dream big for God. That's good advice. I, I would challenge our children here to dream big for God. Our teenagers dream big for God. I love it when our children come, hey, uh, first grade, second grade, third grade, I want to be a missionary. I think that's great. Dream big. Dream big. Hey, I'd like to win my whole neighborhood to Jesus Christ. Amen. Dream big. That's great. Dream big. Uh, so forth and so on. Hey, a teenager comes, you know what? I want to be the catalyst. I want to be the spark that brings revival to my youth group. Amen. Dream big. Dream big. I want to be the spark that brings revival to my church. Amen. Dream big. Maybe a teenager says, hey, I, I want to grow up and I want to go plant a church. Amen. Dream big. I think that's fantastic. Dream of, of reaching the unreached with the gospel. Whatever the case may be, dream big. We need adults to dream big. We need adults who dream of winning their whole workplace to the Lord. We need adults who dream of winning their whole neighborhood to the Lord. Bringing people to Christ. We need adults that, that dream of being the catalyst of revival in our church. We need adults who dream of simply doing big things for God. 
We are often encouraged by pastors and preachers alike and even fellow Christians to attempt great things for God. That too is good advice. But often we fail to understand in both dreaming big and attempting great things for God, the reality is this, in the spiritual realm, in the context of being like Christ and bringing Him glory, we need to think small to dream big. See, what do you mean? Well, We'll explain it tonight in the message, but a few years ago, and again, maybe more, more than just a few, but several years ago, Volkswagen came out with an advertising campaign, and it was just made up of two words, think small. You know what they were advertising? Volkswagen bug, right? The VW bug, okay? Known to children and teenagers as slug bugs, amen? Slug bug green, slug bug, anyway, we won't go there, Okay. Uh, think small was their advertising. Can I tell you, that is honestly a great piece of advice for every Christian in your ministry. What you are called to do. Hey, children, it's good for you to think small as you dream big. Dream of being a missionary. Dream of being a pastor. Dream of doing great things for God. But as you dream big, think small. Think small. What do we mean by that? Well, we should begin our dreaming big for God by thinking small first. Because big dreams aren't accomplished with big steps. See, meeting the universality of needs and accomplishing big goals, if you look at the big goal, it seems very daunting. Uh, the magnitude of what we propose sometimes, uh, go reach an unreached group, uh, people group, to, to, to become a missionary, to, to go to college and, and, and earn the Bible degree and go. Sometimes just looking at our big dreams, man, that looks like a big thing. Winning my neighborhood for Christ, my workplace for Christ, bringing revival to my youth group and my church. At first, on the surface, that big dream may seem, wow, how could I ever do that? That's, uh, how could we ever accomplish it? It seems like it's so big. It can, even in our hearts, be frightening. How can I accomplish that? And that's why a Christian ministry demands that you and I think small. Think in terms of helping one person. You, you want to lead your neighborhood to Christ? Start by leading one person to Christ. Think small. The ministry starts with you and I meeting one need, not thousands of needs, hundreds of needs. You meet one need. Find one person in need. Think small and think individually. Think one-on-one. Hey, my friend, you want to win several people to Christ and see them follow after Christ? Start by winning one person to Christ. Then start by discipling that one person. Think small. Dream big. Fantastic. But think small. Operate small, if we might put it that way. Sometimes that ministry is launching a project and launching out into a new ministry, an aspect of the ministries of the church, or, or maybe it's just writing one wrong at a time, making something right, whatever the case may be. See, you and I are called to the conformity of Jesus Christ. We know that well. And as part of coming into the very likeness of Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us that as Christians of every age, we're supposed to have the mind of Christ. We're supposed to share the goal of Christ. Well, you know it, you know it well. What was the goal of Christ? Well, Matthew chapter 20 and verse 28 sums it up well, doesn't it? Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, but to minister, and to give his life a ransom for many. Now, it's interesting that that verse, as he explains what his goal is, to come to be ministered to. Listen to me. Hey, young person, I don't care how young you are, or a Christian, how old you are, every single one of us can minister to somebody. We all can minister to somebody. 
We all can find someone who I can encourage and build up and lift up. I can minister to somebody. I I can dream big, but I can also think small. I can find a, a fellow classmate. Hey, children, in your class at school, someone needs you to be kind to them, needs you to minister to them. In your Sunday school class, in your Patch and Pee Wee class, somebody needs you to be kind, to minister to them. It's interesting, as Jesus Christ says, I came to minister, not to be ministered unto. What was in the context of? Well, the previous two verses tell us. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. Whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Serving others. Putting them first. What we would describe this as, Jesus Christ is telling you and I, here's the two great commandments in action. If you love God and if you love people, your neighbor, then you will minister to others. You will put them ahead of yourself. You will serve them and serve them first. This is where Christianity meets the road. It's how it looks in real action. Meeting the needs of others, truly ministering to them. Where does it start? Now listen, don't miss this tonight. Here's the, here's the sometimes where we get caught up as Christians. We want to minister to everybody and anybody outside of where we're at. Well, if I went to a mission field, boy, I, I would, it'd be so great to, to win people to Christ. Start winning people to Christ here. Well, boy, I, I, boy, if, if I could just be in that position, then I could minister to these people in the community. Can I tell you to listen to me? The best place for you to start ministering to people is your home. Your home. Hey, children, the best place for you to start ministering to somebody is your home. And you ought to let it move from your home to your family at church. Minister there. Minister to someone. Find someone who has a need. Find someone who you can be an encouragement to and a challenge to, as we've seen in our study of what church is. That is what we are called to do. That ought to be our goal as it was Jesus Christ, to minister to someone. Hey, young person, listen to me carefully. In your classroom at school, there is someone who needs you to minister to them. We'll talk here in a few moments. How can you minister? How how can a first grader, a kindergartner, a third grader, a a seventh grader, an eighth grader, a tenth grader, how can they minister to someone? Oh, just like you and I as adults can. We can reach out to them in a need that they have. So hence we are called in our very conformity to Christ, our call to conformity. We are called to minister to others. What is God doing in this passage? Literally, Jesus Christ is doing what? He's praising righteous believers that have lived out this truth. He's looking at a group of believers. He's saying, hey, boy, when you ministered in this way, when you did this, when you did this, when you did this, you were ministering unto me. Boy, it's something big to do that for Jesus Christ, wouldn't it? See, some of us, we might not serve other people, but if Jesus Christ walked in, we sure would love to serve him food. We sure would love to give him drink, to clothe him, to invite him into our house as even the example is here. And yet Christ is looking at these believers and said, listen, when you minister to fellow believers, brethren, you did it as unto me. That's a pretty big deal, isn't it? In ministering to others, ministering unto him. I want you to see this. Don't miss this. In this passage, God is not praising this, these people for building huge and great churches. 
great ministries. He's not praising them and commending them for for great missionary endeavors. He doesn't speak about them for giving millions of dollars to, uh, to the ministry. He commends them for doing what? Thinking small. Thinking small. Ministering here to this person who's hungry. Ministering to this person here who's hurting in some way. Ministering to this person who's thirsting. Ministering to this person who's going through a difficult times and needs housing and whatever the case may be. Very practical examples of ministering to somebody. He's commending that. In many ways, as I said, of thinking small. In fact, it was thinking small so much they didn't even remember it. When did we do that? When did we do that to you, Lord? We'll explain a little bit more about that, but it teaches us a couple of truths tonight that we want to grab hold of. Notice this real quick. We just got a couple uh, points here. Number one, through thinking small, we know where to start. It's great to have big dreams. It's great to have dreams for the future. It's great to have dreams for accomplishing great big things. But when we think small, coupled with that dreaming big, then it tells us where we need to start. Where do we need to start? Letter A, dreaming big and thinking small moves us to start where we are. Dreaming big, thinking small moves us to start where we are. The place to begin your ministry is right where you are. These people are being commended for helping those in need that were in their near proximity. They weren't sending money off somewhere. They weren't just going on a missions trip somewhere. They, they, they weren't looking for an opportunity someplace far away. It is exactly in their sphere of influence, in their community, in their church, that they were helping people. Can I ask, I've said this before, it ought not so to be, and this is not a referendum on this church, but it's a referendum on Christianity, many of our churches. It ought not so to be that Christians are nicer and minister to people outside the church better than, than they do believers in the church. It ought not to be that way. I ought not to be that you and I can quickly do somebody something for somebody outside this building, but then we often fail to minister within the family of God. God's Word is clear. It starts here in the family. starts among believers and sisters and brothers. This is where it ought to start. Children, listen to me. It ought not be, or so to be, that that you are nicer, kinder, friendlier to your friends at church and school than you are your own siblings. Children, you ought to be nice to your brothers and sisters. You ought to minister to them before you minister to people at school and church. Too often we'll see that sometimes you're mean and unkind to your brothers and sisters, and yet we get to, we get to church and we have friends that, boy, we're awfully nice to. We get to school and we have people who we're awfully nice to and we're kind to, and we aren't as mean to them as we are our brothers and sisters. Can I tell you, young person, God doesn't want it to be that way. God wants you to minister. He wants you to be kind to your brothers and your sisters. First, start where you're at. You want to do great things for God? Listen to me. God thinks it's great when you love your brothers and sisters. They do. He does. That's a great thing. That's a big thing. 
So we ought to dream big, but we ought to think small. And part of thinking small tells us, okay, I need to start ministering where I am. Whether it be in my church, whether it be in my home, whatever the case may be, this is the starting place. God wants you and I to start ministering where we are at. It's the starting place for your Christian ministry. Find someone in the church whose need you already are aware of, you already know about, and go to work on meeting that need. Minister to them. You say, well, Pastor Henry, I just don't know the need. Great. Get to know your church family, find out about their needs, and then meet the need. Minister where you're at. Dream big. I want you to say, you say, hey, man, I have a dream that I want to change Mainville. I want to reach all of Fostoria. Can I tell you, my friend, that's fantastic. Dream big, but think small. Start ministering to people who are close to you. Start reaching one by one. Start by where you are at ministering, serving the Lord. Dream big, think small. Don't simply dream of reaching someone in Africa and Europe. Minister to them without first thinking small. That is, finding a fellow church member or a classmate, children, even someone in your own family and ministering to them first. Start here now. Then move out of that sphere of influence into your community and your neighbors. Let it build in that way. And before it, no, you know it, you'll be doing great things for God, as he talks about in this passage. You know, what's the big deal if I make a meal for someone who just had a surgery? What's what's the big deal if I just reach out to this person in our church and I try to do something kind to them? Can I tell you, that's a big deal to God. That's a big deal to God. For you and I to minister to one another first. So dream big, think small. Start serving where you are at. You know what? Number two, letter B, dreaming big and thinking small, it moves us to serve where we are at. To serve where we're at. So it causes me first to start, and now it obviously goes right hand in hand. It causes me to serve where I'm at. One of the best products of ministering to and serving others is that God always opens our eyes to new possibilities and more needs. See, when I start looking and I start serving and I start saying, okay, right now, I'm going to start right here. It's amazing how God opens our eyes to needs, isn't it? How we begin to see things and and people, wow, I could do that for them. I could minister to her in that way. We can do that. Wow, they need that. I can do that. It's amazing to me that when you and I start serving and we start serving where we're at, my goodness, how God opens the doors. And he starts bringing things to mind. He starts allowing us to see things by which, boy, I can serve more and more and more. When you and I start dreaming big and thinking small, we'll be presented with more opportunities than we can think of or even act upon to serve. It's a great truth. There are different needs in this church. There's different needs in this community that are unmet. Now listen to me. Let me say that again. Because just maybe you're sleeping. I don't know that, but maybe. There are needs in this church that are unmet. And my friend, that ought to get our attention. There are needs in this church that are unmet. There are needs in this community that are unmet. Young person, hey child, can I tell you right now, in your class at school, in your Sunday school classroom, there are needs that are unmet. So what does that mean for us? 
Well, you just might be the person that God is waiting on to respond by being willing to think small and dream big and see that need and meet it to serve in some way. See, you just need to be willing to serve. You need to be willing to say, you know what? I, I, I may dream big, but I understand that I've got to serve now. I've got to serve where I'm at. I've got to see the needs and people all around me. Person down the pew, the person a few pews behind me, the person in my Sunday school class, the, the person in our church who, who, boy, I just sense a need. The Lord has laid it on my heart to minister to that way. Dream big, think small. Know that you are to start where you're at and then serve where you are at. We have seen in our study of the church that God puts together a church, equipping each saint and believer with unique gifts and abilities for meeting the particular needs of that church. So there's unmet needs. Let's find them. Let's say, I'm going to commit to serving and meeting those needs. Our job is to think small and get to serving as we dream of doing big things for God. Hey, number two, not only do we, is it through thinking small, we know where to start, but get this, through thinking small, we know how to start. We know how to start. Through thinking small, we know how to start. Not just where, but this, how do I get going with this? How, how do I think small or dream big and think small? Well, letter A, notice this, dreaming big and thinking small teaches me to start with the simple. With the simple. Look again, if you will, with me, what Jesus Christ praises these folks for. Look at verse 35. For I was a hungry, that's hungry, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger, and he took me in. Naked and he clothed me. I was sick and he visited me. I was in prison and he came unto me. That's quite a statement, isn't it? Now, these aren't spectacular projects. These aren't monumental accomplishments. These are not like, whoa, you bought him a house. That's fantastic. Boy, you bought him a brand new car, man. That's fantastic. Boy, you, yeah, that's great, man. You were so kind, but you did it. No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying, whoa, whoa, whoa you did this. this. This is, and we look at that, and well, that's kind of uh, somewhat, maybe in some people's minds, that's somewhat insignificant. But what they are is not insignificant. Don't miss it. They are simply acts of love and ministry. Ministering to one another. Not having it in my mind that I'm a part of a church to be ministered unto, but I'm a part of a church to minister unto. That I, I share the same goal as my Christ, my Savior. That I didn't come to be ministered unto, I came to minister. And so I'm going to dream big and, and think small, and I'm going to look for ways, and I'm just going to start with the simple things. There's a basic physical need that, that one of the fellow members have, I can meet it. I want to do that. These are actions of ministering to people one-on-one. Here's the neat thing. Children, don't miss this. It doesn't require you to be Superman. It doesn't require you to have endless strength and effort and everything else. It doesn't require you to just be an adult. Believers of all ages can do this. It's simple. It just requires you and I to have a willingness to think small and do the simple acts of ministering to others. Any believer of any age can do these things. Any of us can act in love towards one another. Let me give you an illustration. Think of it in terms of this. Over the years in ministry, as I've had the privilege of talking to thousands of people, 
what they have shared with me about the most impacting things that have happened to them as far as being a part of the church, being a part of the family of God, you would think that they are some of the most insignificant things. It's literally the little things, uh, uh, the things that have most impacted them have been the small, simple acts that people have done for them that they remember that impacted them more than anything else. What do I mean by that? Well, you know it. Sometimes we means all the world to us when someone visits us. Sometimes when a fellow believer is simply there during a difficult time, it means the world does. Sometimes when they just share a kind word, it means a whole lot. Sometimes when they provide a shoulder to cry on, when they give counsel that is a word fitly spoken, perfectly timed, led by the Spirit. Sometimes it's just a word of encouragement during a difficult time. Sometimes it's an act of love that is probably one of the most menial tasks you could ever think of. But it was big in the eyes of the recipient. And you and I as believers, we remember times when people have done simple things for us, but boy, they touched our heart, didn't they? They just impacted us. They, we knew that in that moment, they, they were ministering to us in, in, in a wonderful way. And forgive me for using personal examples, but I cannot help. And, and my heart is flooded with memories and gratitude to many of you. And when we were going, Erica was going through Lyme, and the ladies who actually made meals, and some who came over and cleaned our house. And uh, I mean, cleaning a house, impacting, impacting. Making a meal. Impacting. It's not that big, Pastor. (laughs) When you're on the receiving end and you know somebody's ministering to you, it's impacting. Touches your heart. That's why it's great to dream big, but we need to think small. Who are you ministering to? Whose heart and life are you touching? Children, look at me. Look up this way. Children, look at this way. You know what this does? Actually, let's do this first. Children, look this way. Look at Pastor Henry and give me your best smile. Just smile as big as you can. Excellent. Smiles all over. Excellent. All right. Some are very good. Okay, excellent. Good. Listen to me. Hey, children, do you realize that sometimes your smile is all that some people need? I, I, children, I, I'm telling you, somebody comes off the bus, someone comes to church for the first time, they walk into Sunday school, and sometimes people look at them like this. That ain't very welcoming. Okay? Children, a, a new guy, and you're like, who is that? Don't worry, adults do it too. I've seen it. They do. So, children, listen to me. The very, a simple thing is this. And then, boy, if you want to go the extra mile to minister to someone, hi, how are you? Welcome to Fostoria Baptist Church. Woohoo! That's fantastic. Hey, your smile in the morning at school, maybe even when you don't feel like it, could minister to a fellow classmate. You don't realize how even a smile in the smallest menial task, the, 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 uh, 
children, inviting someone to play with you at, 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 at recess, and inviting someone to sit by you in Sunday school. It seems like, well, that's, that's not that big of a deal. Can I tell you, it'll mean the world to some people. You dream big of touching people's lives and their hearts, but think small. It might start with a smile. It may start with you welcoming somebody to church in Sunday school. It may start with you inviting them to sit next to you in Pee Wee and Patch. It may start with you inviting them to play with you after church or at recess at school. It may start with the most simple thing. But the reality is, start simple when you're ministering to people. Hey, adults, sometimes we need to get back to that, don't we? I need to get back just to looking for opportunities to minister in a simple way. Yeah, dream big. I, let, let, let's win the community for Christ. Let's show the love of Christ to everybody. But let's think small. Show kindness in words and action. My goodness, a kind word, children. Children, a kind word just spoken. Oh, my, how it can minister to a soul. A wounded spirit. Letting someone else go first. Ooh, that can do a whole lot of good. Seemingly simple, small acts. But where in God's eyes, what are they? They are big. In the heart and the mind of the person you're ministering to, they can be huge. They can mean the world to them. So think small and start simple. Hey, young person, each one of you, you could go home tonight and smile at your brother and sister. Start there. Share a kind word. Do something nice to them. Be friendly. Be loving. Start ministering at home. Then do it at church. Let it go to school. And you know what will happen? Then you and I will be ready to go out in the world and minister to them. And adults, what's good for them is good for us. Start ministering simply. Look for the simple acts of love and do it. Make a difference. I like this because it kind of puts it into perspective. Letter B, quickly. And I leaned on this a second ago, so we're a little behind the reel. Dreaming big and thinking small teaches me to start ah, with sympathy. With sympathy. You know, when we think of Jesus Christ, time and time again, what do we read? That he, he was full of what? Compassion when he looked on the multitudes. He saw them in their need. He saw them in their lost spiritual state. He saw what they were facing in life. And he had compassion. He had sympathy. What is sympathy? Sympathy is being touched in your heart by the need or pain of someone else. Sympathy is being touched in your heart by the need or pain of someone else. It's being moved in your spirit by another person's situation. There's problem. So children, you can see a, uh, a friend who lost something, a friend who had something go wrong in their life, and that's, that's a great need. You can step up and minister to them. We as adults need to have sympathy, being moved by the, uh, the issues, the problems that others face, the need that they faced. When you and I cultivate sympathy in our hearts for others and in our mind, it moves us to act in love to help them to meet a need. And the longer you and I cultivate sympathy in our hearts, the more compassion we have with other people. Can I tell you, the more you act in love, then it becomes a habit where you look at people and you have compassion on them. You're sympathetic to them. Now, children, look up this way. Listen to me carefully. 
You know what your flesh wants you to, how the flesh, what's in you, the old nature, and Satan too? You know how he wants you to look at people? When your classmate falls down and they skin their knee, what do you think Satan in your old flesh wants you to do? Laugh. <laughs> now we've all been there. We've been the one that's fallen down. That ain't fun. Classmates picked last to be on a team. And we all kind of, ha, 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 you always get picked last. That's not fun. See, old flesh and Satan, that's how he wants us to treat people. But God wants you and I to have compassion on people. Someone falls down and God forbid that you and I are the one who push them down or trip them and somehow in some way to cause them to fall. But when they do fall, the reality is that God wants you and I to show some sympathy. Because when you and I are moved with sympathy on someone else and moved with compassion towards someone else, guess what it causes us to do? Hey, are you okay? Here, let me help you up. So we go from standing back going ha, ha, ha to acting in love. Now listen to me, adults. The longer we live, sometimes this old heart gets hardened. Some people who we try to reach out to, do we try to minister to, they don't take it very well. They don't respond very well. And you and I close up a little bit. We let our heart get hardened. And we stop having sympathy. We stop having compassion. And the moment we start doing that, guess what happens? We stop ministering. Opportunities that God brings across our path don't happen. Are you sympathetic tonight? When you hear of a need, is your first thought is, eh, I've gone through that. They can handle it. When they're going through a situation, you hear of it. Or, uh, how, how do you view them? Are you sympathetic? Do you have compassion? Hey, young person. Hey, children. You know where this ought to start? At home. When brother or sister are hurt. When brother and sister, they're, something doesn't go with the way they want. Don't find joy in their hurt and pain. You sympathize with them. Have compassion on them. Love your brothers and sisters in a wondrous way. When somebody at church, the Bible tells us when they weep, we weep with them. When they rejoice, we rejoice with them. Romans speaks of it. It's one of the greatest truths of Christianity. When I see a brother or sister who is mourning, I don't sit back, oh, too bad for them. No, I mourn with them. I weep with them. When someone rejoices, and maybe they're blessed in ways that I wish I was, your brother or sister, something goes well for them. You know what the Bible says? Rejoice with them. That's the kind of attitude and spirit we need to cultivate as Christians. Young person, start it early. Cultivate sympathy. Cultivate a compassion on others. These folks, and this is what I like about it, these folks had done it so often they had responded, these believers had responded with sympathy and compassion time and time and time again that when Jesus Christ brings it to their attention and says, whoa, you did something pretty awesome. That was pretty big, how you ministered to me. And they're like, wait, whoa, whoa, what do you mean we minister to you? They were had such a mindset that as Christ commended them, they were literally caught off guard. Look with me, if you will, verse 37. Look at it. Verse 37 of chapter 25. Notice it. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee a hungred and fed thee, or thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick and in prison and came unto thee? And we know the answer. And the king 
And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, note it, ye have done it unto me. Now you tell me, I mentioned at the beginning of the message, but you tell me, is it a pretty big deal to serve God? Sure. Is it a pretty big deal to, to, to feed Jesus Christ? If he were to enter in, is it a big deal to clothe him? Is it a big deal? And I mean, they're thinking, wait a second. We just did it to, we just did it to that person down the pew. They're not a mover and a shaker in the church. They're not any big name or anything like that. They're just a fellow member. And we offered them a meal when they were hurting and they just, they had a need and we met it. And that believer over there, boy, they, they were just going through a difficult time. They, no one said about it. It really wasn't explained. And, and we just met that need. We, we looked for an opportunity, a need in the church. And, and we met that need. And it wasn't that big of a deal. And, and they're kind of caught off guard. Why are you commending us? And this is the neat thing. Jesus Christ says, well, because uh, you were a great missionary. No. Well, it's because you built a huge church and you did all this great ministry. No. That's not what he says. He says this. And when you minister to one of these, a small one, insignificant, significant you did it to me and my friend it is a big deal when you minister to jesus christ see it brings it up to a whole nother level we ought to dream big but we need to think small and understanding that it starts with you and i having sympathy for others seeing their need you see, it's a big thing to feed Christ, to give him drink when he's thirsty, to clothe him, to take an him. You and I should dream big and think small. We can conclude that these things were done by these believers as a trained habit. They didn't realize how great they were. They were simply bringing glory to God with simple, small acts. They were just acting in love, as Christians ought to do. And so they're taking a little bit of back. Christ is commending them, saying, wow, you did great when you did that. You did it unto, uh, unto me when you did it to them. And like, wow, here's a great truth of this. Young person, listen to me. In third grade on Monday, September 17th, you may be sitting there in class, and you may share a smile. A friend drops a pencil, and you can just see they're frustrated. You pick up their pencil and put it back on their desk. Can I tell you, God in heaven is keeping account. He's keeping score. At home tonight, a brother or sister is struggling. They can't get their pajamas on. They can't get to bed. They can't get their school stuff together. And you as a brother or sister, you come along and you help them get their school books together. You help them get ready for bed. And you show them love. Can I tell you, friend, Jesus Christ is keeping score. Hey, adult, tomorrow, tonight at church... You sense a need in a brother or sister and you, you meet it. It may just be a word fitly spoken. It may just be a word of encouragement. It may be something this week that you do for them that you can just tell this is a need in their life. My friend, can I encourage you? God is keeping score. So dream big, think small. They didn't do it for the accolades. They didn't do it for the rewards that God was going to bring. You can see that from their reaction. But I'll tell you, my friend, it's a good thing to know that God keeps score. He sees all. He knows all. It is another reason for you and I to say, okay, I'm called to minister. I'm going to look for needs. I'm going to find them out. And I'm going to do that. A believer who is focused on thinking small and serving others doesn't do it for the reward, doesn't do it for the accolades. Though he knows Christ keeps score, he does it out of a Christ-like love. 
He doesn't have a heart not to be ministered unto, but to minister to others. He doesn't like Christ. So could I challenge you this evening as we embark in another week here in 2018, dream big, think small. Purpose to start ministering where you're at. Serve where you are at. Find needs. Be sympathetic and compassionate on those needs and those believers. Start with simple acts of love. And as you do, everything you do will, what does this passage teach? Will be as you are doing it unto Jesus Christ himself. And that's a blessed thought, isn't it? So here's the simple challenge for you and I this week. Dream big, think small. How do we dream big? Dream this. It it ought to be our prayer tonight. Father, help me tonight to make a difference in somebody's life. Is that a good prayer? I think it's a great prayer. This week, between now and next Sunday, look, even our children, you, you can pray that. Children, you can pray that. Help me to make a difference in somebody's life this week. Okay, so we dream big. I want to make a difference. And now it's my job. He'll empower me to do what? To minister where I'm at. He'll open my eyes. He'll bring opportunities, a classmate, a a brother, a sister at home, a a fellow church member, maybe even somebody out in the community, someone at work. I can minister to them and show them love. And I can do it simply, an act of love. And praise be to God, guess what? I'm fulfilling my big dream by thinking small. It could be a husband to a wife, a wife to a husband. And boy, you're going to make a difference in their day, difference in their week difference in their life i want to challenge you church this evening that you and i would dream big and think small good reminder good challenge for each of us what are you going to do about it this week father i thank you for your word i thank you for the truth of it and lord i pray from the youngest to the oldest of each one of us here lord that we'll have a heart and a desire to dream big think small father i pray that this week we'd have a desire and a heart the Lord to make a difference in someone's life. You've told us, and of some having compassion, making a difference. So may that be us tonight. May we have a heart to make a difference in people's lives. And Lord, may we have a heart to, to see many lives change, but may we also think small and begin serving where we're at, starting where we're at, simply acts of faith. Showing sympathy and compassion to our family, to our church family, to our community, our coworkers, and whatever the case may be, whoever we come in contact with. Lord, may they see that we, like Jesus Christ, have come to be, to minister to others. Father, I pray that you would work in our hearts as only you can. Challenge us. Maybe there's a young person here, Father, who has taken for granted their brother or their sister. In all honesty, they need to start being kind to that brother, that sister, ministering to them first, showing them love. Maybe there's an adult, Father, that we've taken another adult for granted. And, Lord, maybe we've taken our church for granted. We haven't looked for needs here. I I pray you convict us of that. Help us to see needs all around us. Help us to have sympathy and compassion to what others are facing. Lord, I pray that we would be the kind of church you have called us to be. May we be the type of Christians that minister to others and look for opportunities to do so.